Hi, everyone, and welcome to our teleseminar today. We're really excited to have Dr. Rosita Arvigo here, going to be talking with us about the McCall River. And many of you know this is the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries, and we do um, monthly teleseminars. So this is our Rivers of Life series, which is focused all on rivers. So Rosita, I'm sure many of you that are on this call already know um, Dr. Arvigo. She is a renowned author and healer, and she's a doctor of naturopathy, an ethnobotanist, a spiritual healer, author of six books on traditional healing of Central America, the co-founder of the Belize Ethnobotany Project with Dr. Michael Balick of the New York Botanical Garden, and she's an internationally renowned speaker. She's also the founder of the Ischel Tropical Research Center in Belize, the Rainforest Medicine Trail, and the Terra Nova Medicinal Plant Reserve, as well as the Children's Bush Medicinal Summer Camp in Belize. She had a 13-year apprenticeship to one of the last Mayan shamans, Juan Eligio Ponti, who was born in Peten, Guatemala. She's also the founder of the Arvigo Technique of Mayan Abdominal Therapy. So Rosita lives on the McCall River for 42 years um, and is going to be talking to us about that today. Um, she's also the author of a book, uh, Spiritual Bathing, which I'm sure many of you have read, which specifically focuses on water rituals. And that book is available on Amazon. And she has a new book coming out, uh, The Urban Herbalist, which will be available in about a month. So we're so happy to welcome Rosita, and um, let her get started. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me today, and hi, everybody out there. I'm sure I have some uh, friends out there, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, so um, Rosita, I know you have many, many things to say, uh, and if you just wanted to tell us a little bit of your story about the McCall and how this river has influenced your life, and um, how it was a part of your apprenticeship with Don Alijo and also how you've lived on this river for many years. Right. I went to live uh, in Belize in, 19, in the early 1980s. And in 1983, I met my teacher, Don Alijo Ponti, uh, who lived across the river from me. So every time I went to to be with him, which was three days of every week for those 13 years, I had to walk across the river and then walk through the jungle for about a mile and then walk five miles to his village of San Antonio. So the Macau River was for me every single time I went and returned. It was like a welcoming of the water energy as I crossed and then a return and transition back to my home life. So one of the things Don Alicio taught me about was the Maya goddess of healing, Ischel. Now, it turns out that I learned later that Ischel was not only the Maya goddess of healing and medicinal plants, but also the god but she's also the goddess of all bodies of water. 
And once I realized that, I thought, what absolute great fortune is this to have found a tropical homestead alongside the actual physical manifestation of the Maya goddess. So it has always been an, an important aspect of my life. And one of the things I learned about the Maya is that they saw and still see water as what they refer to as its I-T-Z. And it means things that sparkle, things that flow, things that sprinkle, for instance, um, flowing water like a waterfall is powerful. It's, and the Macau River has its source in the greatest possible source of its, which is a cave above the, the, um, f- the forest pres- the the forest high above us where we live. So in the mountain pine ridge, there is a cave, and Don Alicio said that that was the source of the Maya River and that the, the water that comes down from the earth as it seeps, as the rain moves through the earth, the water in the cave is just constantly dripping, and that is the most powerful its on the planet. So the as the river uh, collects the, from the different creeks and it collects from that Maya cave in the mountain pine ridge, it brings forth an absolute spiritual body of energy from the goddess. So that was always very meaningful to me. And then once I learned about spiritual bathing from Don Alicio and from other traditional healers, it was an obvious next step that here we have this body of sacred sacred substance, which is the Macau River that Don Alicio taught that you can use that water as a spiritual refresher. So as most other cultures have realized that water has the ability to transform heaviness into lightness, darkness into light. As Dr. Emoto explained to us that when you use water with prayer and intention, you are actually able to transform the energies leaving your body so that they are more harmonious, that they are more, more less um, bearing, less confusing thoughts, less less darkness, I guess we could say, and that when you use the water with prayer and intention, especially from a body like a sacred river, that it is a powerful spiritual healing ally. So that's always been very, uh, very meaningful to me. And in our, our workshops in Belize, where we hold seminars in my home above the Macau River, we have a uh, guided imagery meditation where we take people along the Macau River and um, we imagine that we're in a canoe with a ancient Maya paddler. We paddle up the river to the <clears throat> source of the river, the cave, where we meet the Maya spirits. And that's always been uh, a beautiful um, imaginative experience for everybody who attends the seminars, especially during the uh, spiritual healing workshops. So. That's, you know, my, that is my um, spiritual experience with the Macau River and having learned what I did 
from the traditional healers. So I also know that every body of water that represents the goddess's creation engenders dreams and visions. That's one reality that we have living alongside the river as we do, that there is, as the river um, raises its moisture in a great fog every morning and every evening, it looks like what we call the silver dragon. But that silver dragon is bodies of um, moisture moving through the air, and that moisture has the ability to carry thoughts and prayers and energies. And we can actually, Donadicio taught, we can actually uh, transmit requests that can be answered in dreams. So the Maya spirits have always been very generous with dream visions, but I have always thought that living alongside a flowing body of water like the Macau River has made dream visions much easier to engender than it would be if you were living closer to dry land. And I think it's important to consider that any body of water, any river on the planet is very much like the human arteries. So we know that our, our arteries filled with blood carry nutrients and oxygen and that it is the life force of the human physical body. And I think that the rivers of the world are also the arteries of the planet and they are, they are what makes the divine creation sustainable. So after the divine beings created our earth, the rivers were absolutely essential. It's like as important as oxygen. And when you live alongside a river for as long as I have, you really have a sense of life constantly in a state of flow and transition. And my neighbors and I have often discussed that we think that that natural movement and flow of the river beneath us has helped us to be very uh, creative and to keep our own lives flowing just like the river flows below us. It's kept us more active, certainly has kept us younger, I think, because of the uh, freshness of the air that moves through the areas that are just alongside the rivers. I love the way the uh, Inca saw the ancient Inca had a concept of Sami, S-A-M-I, and their um, traditional healers, their shamans, were able to envision a bubble. Sami is like, a, is like light energy. And they said that there is a bubble of this light, pure light energy, kind of like dancing rainbows, that extends one mile on either side of a river one mile above and one mile on either side of the river. So to think that we have lived in this bubble of rainbow energy for 40 years, I just feel has been so so fortunate and so continually healing and inspirational. So you have a question? Yeah, so... I was wondering if you could just ground us a little bit in the McCall um, and just tell us some of some of the, the, your favorite plants there or what the river looks like. 
uh, right. or what it smells like. Just um, take us on a little journey to the McCall so we can be there with you. All right, great. Well, the Macau River uh, runs through uh, western Belize. It comes from the mountain pine ridge, and it runs eventually to the Belize River. So we are along that river about only five miles uh, east of Guatemala and uh, below Mexico and uh, north and um, east of Guatemala, the nation. So that Macau River runs, I guess it runs a couple of hundred miles from the uh, mountain pine ridge down to, uh, to where it joins up to become the Belize River and then flows into the ocean. Since we have been on the river, when we first went there to live in the 80s, we were able to drink the water. We have always used it as recreation. We raised children along the river. And you can imagine being a child living next to a river, that was where most of their playtime occurred, was in the river, jumping and learning to swim and diving off of rocks and playing with canoes. So that, of course, was a very important aspect as well. And so the Macau River is the uh, transport system still for um, all the small villages that are along the river, the, um, there's the um, Crystal Ray village that goes along the river and then it ends up in San Ignacio. And that was the river where all of the uh, early um, uh, commodities like the mahogany trees, the chicle for making chewing gum and the rubber, all of that transport from the uh, high rainforest in Belize that, that, was, that was prepared for production in the world went along the Macau River to San Ignacio where it was processed. So it's always been an important transport river even for the ancient Maya. And ancient Maya, one of their most sacred items was jade. Jade is a river stone. And jade was available in the high further reaches above and the highest um, levels above the river jade uh, actually occurs as river rocks. So in the ancient days, only uh, the priests, the priestesses, and royalty were allowed to wear jade because it was uh, so symbolic of, of wealth and symbolic of position as well. Once in a while, we still uncover a piece of carved jade out of the uh, riverside. Sometimes when uh, we have a flood, parts of the river fall, and sometimes there, not that long ago, one of uh, our neighbor's little boy, who's only 12 years old, was canoeing along the river and spotted something green on the riverside and went to investigate, and it was a beautiful jade pendant that was from like 500 B.C. So... It's a tropical river in a tropical nation in the, uh, along the Caribbean Sea, and it uh, also ends up in the Caribbean Sea. So. Great. Thank you so much for that. I'm wondering, uh, since one is very focused on reconnecting with river consciousness and, and kind of bringing in the 
bringing this idea of being in community and in connection with rivers to back into the our our Western world or into our cultures that have forgotten about that. Um, do you are there any rituals um, or practices that either that you know from the Maya or that you have practiced yourself that have really helped you to stay in connection and in communication with the river? You talked about how the river has really taught you about flow. Um, and and how do you how do you stay in relationship with that flow and and come well, back to the there, river? Well, we've discovered a lot of uh, different ways. One of our favorite is to take a full moon cruise down the river on a canoe, and it is magical because you can see the moon above you and you see the river that you're on like a piece of black glass that reflects the moon. So it gives you, gives you this tremendous sense of, of a certain entirety of creation and you floating right down the middle. And it is a, a silent meditation as you float down the river. It's one of our favorite things to do is the full moon float. I have also practiced, uh, according to moon phases, certain river rituals. For instance, if I am in a phase where my life is about to change and I'm asking the goddess who is the primary spiritual being of the river, I'm asking the goddess to bring assistance and to bring clarity, I'll go to the river uh, on the noon moon in the evenings just as the sun is setting, so you get that sense of sparkling, changing light colors along the river, which is so emotionally and spiritually uplifting. And I put my hands and my feet into the river, and I might spend 20 minutes in just silent meditation. And then I spend some time to notice what I notice. It's a very beautiful tradition that comes from the Shindin Yoku or the forest bathing tradition. You simply notice what you're noticing about the river, about the flow, the colors, and the sound, and it gives you a really deeply integrated sense of being one with the river. And if you can get your mind and your soul into a feeling of being one with the river as a mutual aspect of creation, it gives you a very um, deep sensation of relaxation, but also there is so much inspiration that can be taken from the river and the air as it flows and moves below you. And on a, a full moon, I would like often to go to the river sometimes simply to give thanks for life and also to uh, ask sometimes uh, on the full moon, it's like everything is burgeoning. Everything has reached its maximum growth capacity. So if my garden has been really full and we've had a fabulous uh, winter of uh, vegetables and fruits, I go to the river to give thanks. And I, I have studied a great deal of Masuro Emoto, and his concept of helping to heal the planets by simply using prayer and intention at the riverside. 
So what I like to do, and even um, ask my students and friends who are with me, is to go to the river, sit at the riverside, put our hands and our feet, and pray. And the um, Inca and Dr. Emoto and the Maya have all discovered that that prayer becomes a living, moving energy that goes along with the moisture above the river and those moisture drops of any river anywhere, including a lake, but more so with the river because it's moving. It actually carries the memory, carries the thought and the prayer along the entire river basin where the river flows so that we're actually giving blessings and light and <clears throat> transformative prayer to everyone below. And there around the world, um, there have been uh, prayer days to do specifically with rivers or bodies of water around you because of the way they flow continuously around the planet. So if we can keep that intention in mind that this prayer is a, a beam of light that we're sending into the water and along the the passage of the moisture of the water, I think we can do a great deal for healing around the planet. And of course, it's important that we do that just for the river, to give the river um, back some of the love that it gives us. The Maya also has a very charming um, ritual that is for, uh, for transition. When you have come out of a really hard time, be it physically or emotionally, and you really want to experience a transformation of leaving the old behind and welcoming the new. And what the Maya healers say is you take a basket and fill it with nine flowers. They should be ideally the same flower. And you stand at the riverside at noon where the water is easily flowing. And one by one, over your shoulder, you throw the flower in. And then you turn and watch that flower flow away, imagining that one of the nine things that are, have been bothersome or problematic are now flowing and moving away from you. And then you throw another flower over your shoulder and you turn and watch that one move. And as each one is finally out of view, you throw in another flower. And I have found that to be incredibly um, healing and transformative and just helps you step over into the next phase of life in a much more calm and relaxed way. So those are my water rituals. Yeah, that's really wonderful. You also spend a lot of time in Chicago, um, or some some amount of time um, in Chicago, and there's also a river running through right through that downtown. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Um, um, I've been I've been on the river. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a tough one. Actually, I feel rather sad when I'm on that river. Um, and there's still an amazing amount of wildlife that occurs there. I've been um, canoeing, paddling along the river several times just because I love rivers. 
but there's a lot of pollution. Um, sometimes it's got a really bad smell. I, I think that even though it's a city, I think we could do uh, a lot better for caring for the river. And that you know, brings me to the consciousness that all rivers of the world deserve that type of care and consciousness. That really we need to, you know, we need to think more about the cleanliness of the river because it is symbolic and it reflects how we treat this magnificent uh, body floating through space. It's our responsibility to care for the river. It's the it's the bloodstream of the gods, the bloodstream of the goddess, if you will. And like we care better for our bloodstream within our body, it's the same that we should do for the rivers, which are the, the life force and the arteries of the world. So being on the, uh, on the Fox River, as it's called here in Chicago, is, is really fun. And as I said, I'm quite amazed at how many turtles and uh, riverine birds are still there, and, uh, but it's, it's polluted. And so it makes me feel uh, very grateful to live on a tropical river that is still not polluted. It's not as clean and pure as it was 40 years ago because of deforestation, yet still it is one of the cleanest rivers left on the planet. Yes. So I think so many of us are living more in the Chicago type environment where we live on polluted rivers um, yes. and that are in need of, of care. And there's both physical aspects of remediation that need to happen. And then there's also the, the spiritual reconnection that needs to happen. With mm-hmm. rivers. Um, True. And so, yeah, it's good to hear your ideas or just these rituals that you're describing um, for reconnecting. Right, and yeah, there's one aspect too, you know, simple thing like the uh, the physical disturbance of mosquitoes. We live in the tropics, we live along the river, yet we have almost no mosquitoes. We never like to say none because there's always that one random mosquito that comes by, but the old timers tell us that why we are almost mosquito-free along the Macau River is because the river is still healthy. And in a healthy river, you have frogs and birds and bats that eat and fish that eat mosquito larvae. So they never get an opportunity to overpower human life. So that always made me feel um, pretty amazed that when you think about beautiful areas where water is, often you can't be along them or near them because they the um, mosquito life is greater than the human life, and they just make it an impossible environment. But if the riverine environment is in balance, as ours still is, gratefully so, then all of those creatures that live on the bugs are able to keep it in balance to make it a, um, a pleasant environment for human beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also just wondering too, and thinking about I've I've read your book um, about your apprenticeship Sassoon, um with Donnelly Heo, and you tell so many great stories in that book about your being a young woman and and living in the jungle and the struggles that you had 
at that time. And is there any stories that you have um, about the river where you were overwhelmed or um, something happened that was powerful for you or that shaped you as, as a young person? Well, uh, we when we first uh, went to live in Belize and bought those uh, 32 acres of raw jungle along the Macau River, uh, we did not have enough money to buy a vehicle. So we, the only way we could transport ourselves, our food, and our children to school was we had the one of the old uh, dory makers carve out a uh, wooden boat from a, a great and giant tree. And so it was, we thought it was going to be like one, two, three, zippity-doo. We'll just get in that boat and get a little motor and, and chug-chug up and down the river. But it was something that we were not able to do. It required so much expertise and so much knowledge of shallow areas in the river where the eddies are, and if you got into the wrong eddy, it just kept taking you to the shoreline. It was a great education of how it looks so easy when our dory maker, Mr. Thomas Green, gave us the canoe and then tried to help us, teach us to navigate the river. We really couldn't do it. In the end, we had to give him back the canoe and then then allow him to run a river taxi and give us free rides. The first time we tried canoeing back um, from San Ignacio, which is 10 miles downriver from us, where the, where the market is, where shops are, and where the school is that our children attended, we, <laughs> we kept getting into a, uh, a little eddy in the river that just was not going to let us go. So we kept returning back to shore, and then we got into a going up in, through a waterfall that we nearly tipped over, and in the end, we actually had to pull ourselves up the river by holding on to trees and pulling, and pulling along the shoreline. So it can also be harrowing to live along a river. We have also had floods of 80 feet high, we're sitting in our, uh, on our veranda. We're watching the river rise about an inch every 10 minutes. And we're wondering at what point are we going to have to evacuate. So an 80-foot rise in a river brings down you, looking down at the river, you see a, a horse come by, you see a cow struggling to survive, and then giant trees, you know, giant trees that if they hit a house would crush it and carry it away. So there's always a sense of um, imminent danger living alongside a river. But in the end, we think that made you more alert, more aware of the beauties and the dangers of nature as well. So uh, the Macau River could be a friend and it could be an enemy. Like I like the way the Chinese haiku says, water floats a boat and water sinks a boat. So that was always a part of uh, living along the river, the, uh, the damage it could do and the, the glorious physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of being a riverine occupant. And so was it when you moved to Belize that you started to really come into a relationship with rivers and was it Donna Leahio that that introduced you to 
working with rivers and you know with through you know that that's where your spiritual bathing evolved from um did you have a an early connection with rivers before that or or was it really your time on the call that gave you no yeah it was really it was no it it was my time on the on the macau but before i went to live in belize i lived in mexico for seven years and we were on a, uh, a very large uh, creek, the uh, Bar- the um, Balsam Balsam Creek, Barranca de Balsamar, in Guerrero, Mexico. And I learned there that what you cannot live in a remote environment without water being close to you. You needed for transport. You needed for bathing. You needed for washing. You, you need it for drinking. So every aspect of life, you needed to water your plants. So there in Mexico, I think I learned the absolute necessity of abundant water and that without it, life is impossible. And so that made us want to uh, protect that creek. It made us also feel like we were partners in, cre- in, uh, in creativity partners in healing. And then one of the beautiful things about the Macau River is that it's so wide and broad and there are so many, uh, such a beautiful natural habitat that is yet mostly undisturbed. And trees grow very close to the um, river line, to the shore, and sometimes their roots are deeply embedded into the river. They suck up the water and survive and thrive and they all drop their flowers into the river and so i think that my first spiritual bath was in the macau river thinking about this flower essence the energy of these flowers and the beauty of it is that they're seasonal so at one time of year you have all these beautiful purple logwood flowers floating down the river at another time, you have the white bribri flowers, and each one of them has a specific energy, like we know about the box flower remedies. Those flowers carry certain um, vibrations that match human emotions. So it's always been just a thrill to be able to jump into the river and swim or just float along in this enormous spiritual bath and when we do our own spiritual baths up at uh, on my farm which is only about 600 feet above the river i know that we have this magnificent sacred source of divine water that comes up from the macau river to do our spiritual baths so that's always been a really important uh, part of my spiritual practice is the realization and the thanksgiving that I live alongside this um, magnificent divine creation that is ruled by the goddess. Yeah, I remember I I was at um, a class of yours and you told a story about a woman, I don't know if this was from your time in Mexico or in Belize, that was there was a drought and she said to you, uh, without water I am not a woman. I always mm-hmm. remember you telling that story. Yeah, um, that's a, a beautiful phrase in Spanish. She said, Sin agua, yo no soy mujer. Without water, I am not a woman. 
And from her, from her point of view, for her, water meant she could cook for her family. She could bring the, the liquid, the elixir of life to the table. She could wash their clothes. She could keep her house clean. She could bathe the baby. She could bathe herself. She could bathe the elders. And all this becomes possible. The basic fundamental needs of life are met by water. And if you don't have it, then you truly appreciate what it does for human beings. I, I think that it sustains the creation. It, there is creation, but without water, creation cannot be. It cannot flourish. So... Water is the enabler of life. It's an old phrase, but it really is true. If you're lucky enough to live alongside a clean river as we do on the Macau in Western Belize, it feels like a great gift. And yeah, you mentioned having worked or studied a lot of um, Emoto's work and the con- he works with the consciousness of water and, and the actual shape of the um, the cellular structure of water as it's treated in different ways. And is there is there any practices that you have um, just when you're drinking water from you know when you're you know just drinking regular water or when you're just using water in your house that you do to change the energy of water or or if you have anything yeah. to say about how that works. I do. Uh, we we have a water bottle in in the kitchen, and uh, we have the words taped to the bottle, um, "Love and Gratitude," which Dr. Emoto said were the most powerful word vibrations to emit into water before you drink it. So we have that love and gratitude, and then we always do a lustral bowl. Lustral bowl comes from the word lustration, meaning to bring light. So I have um, a bowl of water from the river, and then I will uh, collect plants with prayers, put the plants into the, into the bowl, and then leave that bowl in my living room or in the middle of the classroom with the intention that all that is released will be received and that the flowers and the water and the prayer, all of that will be able to emit like that bubble, like a bubble of rainbow light all around. And at the end of the day, we put it under a tree, usually the Saiba tree, which is the Maya tree of life and the most sacred being of all the all the plant deities, so we usually bring our lustral bowl water at the end of the day, pour it at the base of the side of the tree and ask that it is returned to the underworld and that all energies will come back as lighter and more divine. So that's, that's a very important ritual for us is our lustral bowl. And then just about every week, about every seven days, I take that lustral water and uh, cleanse my house by sprinkling and praying and burning copal. And I can burn copal by itself and it feels good. But when I burn copal in my home and then I also walk around from room to room with this lustral bowl in my hand, sprinkling and praying, that feels like it, it has been a complete renewal 
and a total lightening of all the energies in the house, especially when you have classes in your house or most especially if there's been a, uh, an argument or if there has been a confrontation or something that felt tense in the house. And most definitely, I have to do my, my aspersion, sprinkling with the river water. And it's a tremendous difference. Always feels lighter and happier. Thank you for that. And from where you sit as an elder and as someone that has lived a very beautiful life and, and walked a path walked the path that you have, um, is there is there something that you would recommend or a ritual that you would recommend to to those um, those of us out there that don't have water rituals or if, if you could kind of wave a magic wand and uh, create help to create meaning or reestablish people's connections to to water is there one that you would recommend for beginners or for for those of us that live in urban areas where rivers really there's not a lot of connection with the soul of a river there um, isn't but there yeah it's pretty hard to imagine even the city that doesn't have a pond a creek or a lake it may be that you have to make a plan to get there but I think it's possible that you get to a, a creek, you get to the riverside, you get to a pond side or a lake, and simply do um, that, that little ritual of putting your hands and feet in the water and, and giving thanks and sending out love vibrations and allowing yourself to receive the love vibrations that are inherently present in that body of water and to imagine and think of it as a, as a spiritual body. It actually is a manifestation of a divine being. And barring that, if there is absolutely no water anywhere, I think that a silent meditation or a guided imagery of being close to the body of water, that is the closest to you. Maybe it's 100 miles away. But if you sit in silent meditation and allow yourself as in a guided imagery, to be at that water site, I believe we can energetically transport. And again, give thanks and allow yourself to receive the, the love and the, the pure spiritual energy that's present in water because all it does is support, assist, and make life possible. That's its purpose. So I think it's always possible. And finally, get a glass of water right out of the tap. Dr. Emoto proved to us that tap water can be transformed by prayer. You simply pour that glass, sit with it, put your hands over it or around it, and you can hold it up to your, up to your chin and then just let the prayer, that prayer is a, like, uh, like an emission vibration that's going into the water. And you can drink that or you could leave it in your living room, put it in your bedroom. And it doesn't have to be a prayer where you're asking for something or you know, we're begging the divine to assist us. It only needs to be a prayer. And one of the issues that always comes back to me is, well, I haven't thought about prayer, people would say, for decades since I was a child. 
and I was raised in a in a very evangelical or a Catholic faith, and now I don't believe in any of that. So if you don't have prayer in your life, it can be very difficult to use these healing rituals because that that is the uplifting aspect. That's what takes us up and out of the physical realities, which are sometimes rather harsh. And we need a deity in our lives to perform these spiritual uh, rituals. Without a deity, and it doesn't matter who the deity is, without that deity, I think that uh, we float aimlessly and feel feel helpless. So I'm not an evangelist, right? But I do know that since I've been involved intimately with spiritual healing for so many years, it requires a higher being. It requires your uh, respect, your love for this higher being, and it is necessary that you integrate that being into your life through putting up an altar. Maybe it's a goddess, or maybe it's Mohammed, or Vishnu, whichever one it is, it's good to make a physical presence of that divine being in your life so that you establish a relationship. So that's how you can transform a glass of water out of your tap from the kitchen into a powerful uh, spiritual tool. Yeah, and um, so I think Pam talks about this, and also Sandra Ingerman talks about this in her book, Medicine for the Earth, um, mm-hmm. about taking a glass of water and, and praying to that water. Um, this is a, mm-hmm. a fairly common water ritual. Um, and then transforming that water through love and then reseeding a body of water with yeah. that with that vibration um, exactly love is all love is always the place to start if you can engender the uh, sensation the emotion of love simply by contemplating what does it feel like to be loved and what does it feel like to love So the only thing you ever need to learn is how to love and be loved. And if you have that, that is your strongest foundation for creating a life that is useful, beneficial to the world, and gives you a sense of being spiritually uplifted from day to day. Yes, and what we know about water, just on the purely physics level, is that it's a conduit. So it's... Um, carries vibrations, so what a better element to work with. Right. It carries vibrations, yeah, and it has memory. It remembers what you put into it. So it's important when you're just simply the simple ritual of drinking a glass of water, it's important that you have a, a consciousness that is elevated. I always say when I drink water, welcome into my sacred body. So just a simple little phrase, welcome into my sacred body. And so that you recognize it as a spiritual force and you are recognizing and acknowledging yourself as sacred. So it's just a simple little thing that I always say when I drink and I immediately feel transformed. It happens several times a day if I drink all the water I'm supposed to. Yeah, and it, it, we find, you know, nature has an economy of abundance and of amplification, and the more that 
the more that we pray into water that we drink, the more our body becomes aligned with that vibration. And then the more we can hold that vibration, it's, it's, it spreads. I think that's what's so fascinating about the human body is mm-hmm. how we hold, you know, we can change. We, it, it, there's an amplification process when we work with the elements and when we work with water. Yes, yes, really well said. Ampli- yeah, amplification, that's it. Yeah. Um, well, it's just about 10 of uh, four here, two for you, uh, three for you. You're in Chicago. So I thought that we could open it up to questions unless there's anything else you'd like to say before we do that. No, I'm ready to take the questions. Great. So um, for everyone on the call, you uh, simply need to press star five uh, to raise your hand. And I will be able to see you on my screen, um, and I will unmute you. um, And I should be able to call on you. And so, yes, if you have a question for Dr. Avigo, any Anything you'd like to ask her about what we've been talking about, please just let me know and press star five. And I will do my best. Okay, let's see. So we have um, someone else in Chicago. I don't have your name, but let me see if I can get you. Um, you're unmuted. Can you hear? Can you see? Yes. Hello. Oh, um, oh, okay, good. Oh, okay. Hello. Go ahead and ask your question. All right, go ahead. Okay, uh, I got muted for a moment. Um, this is Irma from Chicago, so so nice to uh, be able to join your talk today, Dr. Arvigo. Um, my question is, you touched a little bit about like the energy of water and how it, because it is like a carrier of energy, um, you, you also talked about its power of destruction. Can you say a little bit about like when malevolent kind of energies get caught in water and maybe approaches to um, to healing that? To healing the destructive power of water? Is that your question? Um, or to healing like if, if there is like negative energies that get trapped in water and um, and and then water travels with a negative vibration. Um, just what are your thoughts about that and in and, and ways to heal that or um, just to recognize whether there's a message there or what what that energy is about? Well, I, I could only answer that with, with prayer and intention and uh, incense. I think that, that would be very powerful. And I think that faith in light, faith in love, that uh, light and love will overpower all evil. It's very important that uh, faith be brought into a situation like that, that if your faith is great, if your intention is clear, I firmly believe with all my heart that you would be able to dispel the negativity that is present in that water. And uh, I believe that that is why it's important that any, any of us anywhere near a body of water, like the river running through Chicago, just take some time, 10 minutes at a time, just to go to the river and pray. Putting the feet in the water or putting hands in the water, even carrying up a bucket from the river and just giving it uh, some love energy. So that's what I would say. It has to be faith and prayer and perhaps um, burning incense as well. And just 
to keep in mind that good always overpowers evil. There's no doubt about that. Great, thank you. You're welcome. Is there anyone else that has a question? Um, let's see, we have April. Let's unmute April. There you go. Are you there, April? Hi there. I just wanted, um, for one, to say that uh, I did go and learn about spiritual bathing with Rosita in Belize, and it was the most life-changing um, experience. And just ever since, really, um, for myself, mostly, and my family, used those I'm so grateful for that. And also, I brought back from Belize this picture of Ishelle in her three faces as the maiden and the mother and the grandmother. I'm in this grandmother's state. And the picture of that elder, Ishelle, in my picture, she's pouring water out of a vase or out of something. Um, and that picture is really strong with me. So I don't know, Rosita, if you'd be willing just to talk about that image and that aspect of yourself. Yeah, as the goddess of, of water and, and also as the consort of Chalk, the rain god, she's actually pouring out um, water from a clay pot. And the clay pot actually looks like and represents, as you see it upside down, it looks like and represents the, the womb or the uterus. So the waters mm-hmm. of life pour forth from, from the goddess's womb. And also uh, when water pours out, it looks, its light shines on it. It makes rainbow colors. So that's why she's the goddess of rainbows as well. And rainbows, as we know, are the combination of light energy and, and droplets of water. So as the goddess of all bodies of water, she brings rain and she brings drought and she brings flood. So it always takes us back to the duality of, of the benefit of water and the dangers of water. And so Ischel has her positive aspects and she has her negative aspects, just like water that, that can float a ship and it can sink a ship. That answer your question? Thank you. You're welcome. And is there anyone else that wants to raise their hand? Again, you press star five if you have a question. It looks like there's no more questions. Um, Okay. I just wanted to say... So thank you so much to Rosita for being with us and you covered so many topics. I'm thinking back to the very first minutes when you talked about the it's of water, the things that sparkle, um, and just all the places that we've gone from there in this conversation. It's been really wonderful. And just to all of the listeners out there, I'll let you know that we have another teleseminar coming up next month with Grant Wilson, The Rights of Rivers. So Grant works with um, the legal rights of rivers, and uh, which will be a great conversation to tune in on. And that is July 22nd, Sunday at 3 p.m. And this 
presentation has been recorded, so we'll be putting this up on our website, uh, natureevolutionaries.com, if you want to listen again. And we hope you check out our website and sign up for our newsletter. And that's it. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And thank you so much to Dr. Arvigo for um, sharing her incredible wisdom and experiences with the water. Thank you, Lauren. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed having to uh, think about the spiritual, emotional, and physical aspects of, of our river for a couple of days. It's been a wonderful experience, so thank you. Thank you so much. And again, you can catch this on our website and re-listen. Take care, everyone.